0: Well, clear out your schedule and pour yourself a cup of coffee. It's time for our weekly Q&A session with Focal Points Bible teacher, Mike Fabares. On this special December edition of Ask Pastor Mike, we're talking about the history of our favorite Christmas traditions. I'm Dave Druey. Thanks for being with us today on Focal Point. Well, it is the season for Christmas trees, glowing lights, and stockings over the fireplace. But where did these traditions come from? Are we really celebrating Jesus' birth, or are we perpetuating pagan rituals? Fascinating questions. Well, thankfully, we've pinned down Pastor Mike Fabares for a moment to provide some clarity on this topic. He's joining Focal Points Executive Director Jay Wharton right now. So let's settle down in the pastor's study for today's Ask Pastor Mike. Jay?
1: Well, thank you, Dave. I am here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, we have a really interesting question from a listener who writes, did Christmas begin as a pagan holiday? And if so, Should Christians celebrate it?
2: Yeah, well, in a way, I can say no, it didn't, because Christmas is the celebration of the Incarnation of Christ. That's not pagan. Uh, When in the fourth century it was chosen to be celebrated there in December, December 25th, Uh, yeah, you can say it corresponded with a pagan celebration of the planet Saturn. And it lasted a week, and it was a pagan holiday. But that's not what we're doing at Christmas. I often remind people it's like Sunday. Sunday is the day we worship Jesus because of the resurrection of Christ, but that was the day they worshiped the sun. That's why it's called Sun Day. And yet we worship on Sunday without any reference to the sun, S-U-N, right? We don't think about that. So, you know, if you are celebrating Christmas on December 25th, and you're celebrating the incarnation of Christ, our Savior and our Lord, and you're not bowing down to idols of Saturn, then uh, no, it's not pagan, and certainly shouldn't stop us from uh, worshiping Christ. We could worship Him on November 25th, we could worship Him on March 25th, uh, but we worship Him, thankfully, because our culture stops and gives us a federal holiday, and we meet together, and we celebrate, and we worship, and we worship Christ. This whole guilt by association thing, uh, we just got to stop it. We work hard enough. We can find a guilty association on any day, with any piece of furniture, with any geographical location, so let's stop hunting for a pagan connection for anything. And let's keep our minds focused on Christ, saturated with Christ, worshiping Christ, and let's do that 24-7 every day of the week. I don't care what day it's on. and I don't care what they were doing in second century Rome. Let's worship Christ uh, and, and celebrate the incarnation on December 25th. Well, Pastor Mike, now I know that December
1: 25th is the focus when we celebrate Christ's birth, but did it really happen then?
2: No. Although, you know, you can hear if you're you know at least a junior varsity Christian, you've heard, oh, it didn't happen then. Although it's interesting to note, there are some very early writings that don't preclude this date. There are good, legitimate academic discussions about Christ being born in December. And, you know, I won't get into all the details and debate about that. I will say this, we don't know when Christ was born uh, and yet to quickly say, well, he wasn't born in December because they were keeping their sheep out in the fields and they wouldn't do that in December. You know, those things don't always hold water and there's precedent for celebrating the birth of Christ even before what we saw in the fourth century of Rome in December. But it's sketchy, it's on uh, you a know, few historical sources, but there's a debate about when Christ was born. But for us, it really doesn't matter, right? We celebrate on any day that we can. And in this case, we've agreed to, as a culture and as a church, to take this day as a day off. We call it Christmas. Uh, We're not having a mass, right? Christmas, we're Protestants. But I I, see, the word doesn't matter, the day doesn't matter. What matters is that we're worshiping the incarnation of Christ, which Philippians 2 says we should recognize and, and worship God for. So yeah, December 25th, we don't know. But Don't be so arrogant as to quickly say, well, of course he wasn't born in December. We don't know the exact date, and it could be. And wouldn't it be funny to get to heaven and find out, hey... It was December twelfth. We don't know. Could do that with
1: a number of days on the Christian calendar for certain things. But I notice in our culture today, we obviously are stripping away all the religiosity out of it. Is there a danger in our day of turning Christmas back into some meaningless festival devoid of God? Well, sure.
2: Yeah. You know, you you hang lights on your house because that's what you do, or you get a tree because that's what you do or you decorate, or you bake, or you have a ham, or whatever, all these things can become festivities that are just tradition. And like anything we do, if we say we're doing it for Christ, Christ is concerned that we don't do anything out of meaningless repetition, not only our prayers, but our practices. So yeah, you know, if you're hanging lights uh, on your house, Uh, which can be a great thing. right? It's very festive, and certainly Jesus said he's the light of the world, and there's so many great analogies of light in the Bible regarding Christ. Just get your mind realigned with what you're doing. If you're baking and feasting and celebrating, that's great. Christ has a lot of great uh, principles and truths that allow us to know, you know, he's the bread of life, he's the provider of all things. Everything, the Bible says, is sanctified by prayer and thanksgiving when we eat it. And so there's so many things we can do to bring our minds in line with it. We just can't be mindless you know, numb, just going through the motions and festivities of the holiday. So keep your mind fresh, and the way you do that is you get in the Bible every day. You get up in the morning, you read your Bible, and if it happens to be Thanksgiving, well, then you read about Thanksgiving and you get your mind ready to give thanks. If it's Christmas, you talk about the Incarnation, uh, you think about it, you read about it, you you see passages on it, and you get your mind geared up to focus mentally on what it is that we're celebrating.
1: It's so easy to lose sight as we get up and do our lights and do our cooking. How do
2: you as a family do that during the Christmas season? Yeah, and I guess I'd say we don't go all out like some families do. We keep it simple, you know, and you go into my house, you'll see some decorations and we usually do put up lights as long as the kids have been school age and we recognize all that but we don't go overboard we don't have a ton of parties and do a lot of you know spectacular things but we have our celebrations and we have the things that make the season festive in our home and everything that we do have and decorate with reminds us in some way of Jesus Christ which we're celebrating so we just try to get our minds back on these things by not overdoing the holiday season with too many things. My life is busy enough, you know, as you know, Jay, and and I, I'm doing a lot of things. I, I don't want to now add all these layers of things that would just make me run around like a crazy person in December. So don't go too far in terms of your festivities, making you know December such a hectic holiday. Too many gifts, too many parties, too much everything. Just maybe cut back a little bit. Not that everybody has that problem, but I think for me, it's been one thing that's helped me keep my focus on uh, what we're here to do. It's easy to lose sight when we don't have the opportunity to sit back and
1: meditate and reflect on the actual holiday Absolutely. Season, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. We're going to wrap up this edition of Ask Pastor Mike by listening to a message you gave called God's Instructions for Important Days.
2: I was wanting to get my boys in the Christmas um, mood and get excited. So at around six o'clock before dinner, I said, I'm going to let you open one of my presents tonight. And so they were like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. So uh, they reminded me of that promise at about 10 o'clock when everybody was filing out. And their eyes were all droopy. And they were all exhausted and overtired and frustrated. You know how it gets about 10 o'clock for eight-year-olds. And so they were they're like, oh, Dad, you said we could open a present. So I was like, yeah, okay. I had promised. So I went, got them a present from under the tree. I brought it over to them. And I said, here, kids, open it up. And I got to tell you, it was like they were opening up the mortgage bill, you know? <laughs> I was, I just got I've got to be honest, I was disappointed. Just some gratitude, a little excitement would have been nice. And uh, as I reflected on that, as I walked upstairs and uh, kind of, you know, we were all exhausted and, and half the house was a mess. And I started to think about God's perspective on us. And I said, I wonder if God ever, uh, ever feels the same way my kids could say, oh come on dad we're tired, you know, you've had us sitting in our good clothes at dinner, we've been doing everything you told us to do, and we're just tired. We, we can't get excited about your gifts right now. And I thought to myself how often in the midst of all the craziness of 21st century Christmas do we sit around sometimes say, God, you know, I'd be more excited, but you know, I'm just tired. There's a lot going on. And I think God must be sitting in heaven saying, you know, how about a little excitement? How about a little bit of gratitude? Uh, can we have a little bit of, uh, maybe a write-on God? You know, Something like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm quite confident that's what God would want. And I know he would. And though we don't have uh, outlines or any uh, PowerPoint or anything like that, I'm gonna give you three words that summarize God's instruction. You don't need to take notes. You can just remember these three words that God would give you to say, here's how I'd like you to celebrate. Because God is a God who is into uh, into holy days. Uh, we call them, that's where we get the word, by the way, holiday. I know they've tried to put you know God out of the way, by saying, they don't wanna say Merry Christmas, they say Happy Holidays. That's fine, because you know what you're saying when you say that? Happy holy days, right? <laughs> These are days that are holy, that are set apart. I understand, not by God, God didn't put that, this on the calendar, but the, the, the medieval church said, we are going to celebrate The incarnation of Jesus Christ, and we're going to set this day aside. And as I studied this week, I just looked through Scripture, the early part, mostly in the first five books of the Old Testament, where God is saying to Israel, I want your calendar to be punctuated by holy days. And a holy day means it's set apart for no regular stuff. As a matter of fact, you'll find 12 times in the first five books of the Bible alone that God says about a day or a week on the calendar, here's what he says, and you and I will love this line, do no regular work. Take some time off. Don't do the regular stuff. I want these days to be special days. And I love that about God. And the first instruction for us as it relates to God and how he'd want us to celebrate is first of all to pause. He wants us to put our life on hold. As a matter of fact, it'd be great if we made Christmas, you know, we kind of make it two days with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But we ought to say, this is a time where we're pausing. Whatever regular stuff we would do, we're not going to do regular stuff. And I love that about Christmas because it's like the last day on the calendar where everything closes. Have you noticed that? I mean, you can't get a home loan on Christmas. I mean, you can't go to Lowe's and, and get a, you know, a, a, a fixture for your house. Uh, you know, Taco Bell's even closed. <laughs> You know it's a holy day if Taco Bell is closed. (laughs) The the bottom line is, it's great that our society accommodates that. I mean, all of a sudden, now it's done. I don't care if you want to ignore Christmas. You can't carry on your normal day because everything's shut down. And I love that about the reality that we as Christians are just following in the pattern of saying, no regular stuff. We won't do regular stuff. God wants us to pause and celebrate. And there are some Scrooge-like people here. I realize that because there's a little bit of that in my heart too. And I say, oh, you know, all this hype about the day, you know, let's just carry on and we should be Christians every day of the year and we ought to be celebrating Christ. You know, chill out a little bit. Let's set a day aside where we say this is a special day and we will pause because God was in the habit of putting days on the calendar and saying this one's special. Don't do anything regular on that day. Do everything on that day special. As a matter of fact, I want you to to make this a mandatory special day. Did you know in, in Deuteronomy, as I was reading through and looking for all the ways God instructs us to celebrate holy days, when it comes to a holy day on God's calendar, he doesn't say it's optional. It's not if you feel like it. He says all regular work stops. You have to come and celebrate. And I say, you know what, let's just do that. I know it's not, we can't find chapter and verse on Christmas day, December 25th, but it makes sense that the church would have some holy days, just like the Old Testament, we need to pause. And we just need to say, that's a good thing. That stands in a long line of biblical tradition of saying all the normal stuff, gone, special day. And then the Scripture is very careful to say, on those special days that you pause, he says, you've gotta make sure that your mind is connected with the meaning. Second word for us is not only to pause, but here's a good word. We should ponder. We have to think. Here was one of the problems with Israel. By the time he sets up all these holy days in the first five books of the Bible, by the time we get to the time of the exile, where Israel is shipped off to to the doghouse, if you will, because they were in trouble with God, one of God's complaints was, you guys celebrated, but you forgot about me. You weren't thinking about me. I love the way he puts it in a real poignant word. In in Zechariah, he says this. He says, when you feasted and when you fasted, was it for me that you did that? He said, no, it wasn't for me. He said, you were feasting for yourselves and you'd forgotten about me. And there's one thing we've got to make sure that we do. With all that happens at Christmas, we need to say we can't forget what this is all about. We need to pause. Make sure as we do these special things, our mind goes frequently back to why we do them. And I love the fact that we as Christians have the freedom in the New Testament to take things that the rest of the world may use for a lot of different reasons and we begin to redeem those things. Oh, you can talk about Druids and and ancient Celtic practices and holly and Christmas trees. Fooey on all that, see? Because what we've done as Christians is said we're going to use all of that to bring our minds in sync with the coming of Jesus Christ. And we need to consciously do that. When we see a decorated tree or as you do that, some of you do that last minute and you go and you decorate that tree tonight, we we need to attach our brains and our minds to the meaning of Christ's coming. We're gonna send cards to one another, but instead of just saying, you know, happy uh, winter solstice, we're we're gonna put verses on that and we're gonna draw people's minds back to Christ. Gifts, we'll give gifts, fine. You're worried about the commercialization of Christmas? Fantastic, but we give gifts and our minds can go back to ponder the incredible gift that God has given us. As the scripture says, it's the indescribable gift of Christ. And so when we give gifts, some not so good on certain times, I realize, son, but when we give gifts to each other, we give gifts to one another because Christ gave, gave his son to us. And, and we redeem these things. We bring them back. We need to pause We need to ponder. And then thirdly, it's interesting in Scripture when God gives instructions in the first five books of the Bible about holy days, he tells people to come before me with great feasting, bring your best food, bring your best oil, bring your best drink, come in and celebrate, and he uses this word repeatedly, rejoice. It's interesting that God commands us to rejoice as though it's a choice, see? And that's the interesting thing about it. We learn the insight of God's holy days, that it is indeed a choice, that we are to come and purposefully celebrate, rejoice. I put it this way, third P. We're to pause, we're to ponder, and we're to party, in the best sense of the word. Okay? And God has called us to bring in the best stuff and to celebrate. Do you remember in the, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a story about a disgruntled older brother. We often call the story the prodigal son, but that's really not what the story's about. The story's about a guy who doesn't want to party with the family over the finding of the lost son. Remember that? He comes in, and he sees his son. He embraces him, and he calls out. He says, put the best robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Kill and slaughter the fattened calf. We're going to have a party. Come and celebrate. And the focus then shifts to the older brother, and the older brother doesn't want to party. He doesn't want to celebrate. He's a little frustrated over this. It didn't directly affect him. It wasn't his party. And what was interesting is after all that explanation, the the father in this story that Jesus tells says, we must celebrate and be glad because what was lost has been found, see? And, And what was dead is now alive. And therefore, we have no choice. We have to party, we have to celebrate. And you know what, the problem with us is we think rejoicing is not a choice, we think it's a feeling. And feelings are a great garnish to rejoicing. But rejoicing is a choice that we make. And the feelings, thankfully, about 90% of the time, they usually catch up to the activity. But we need to get out and to do the kinds of things that Scripture says, and that is we need to bring in the best stuff. We need to bring in the best music. We need to bring out the best china. We need to bring out the best food, the best desserts. That's a good one. We need to bring out the best stuff and say, this is a special day where we celebrate and we bring all the best stuff out and we make it happen. My family often share, if you're a regular at Compass, we're not not very good cooks and we're, we're very open about that. We do eat at Taco Bell a lot because we've made it our pattern, though we're not good at that. It's a special day, and we go all out. As a matter of fact, if you want to come by, there may be some leftover, I don't know, but we always do the ultimate breakfast on Christmas, don't we, kids? The ultimate breakfast. We cook, we, we you know, I don't know, a couple dozen eggs. We've got all kinds of bacon. We just, and dad actually gets involved in the kitchen. It's kind of scary. Everything is special. We cook tacos. We fry the tortillas in the oil. We grade big piles of, of, of sharp cheddar cheese. Should I go further with this? <laughs> Big mounds of refried beans, none of that vegetarian bean stuff. Lard full-blown, it's just it's the best. And we do that because we say today is a day to rejoice. And we hope our feelings catch up. And with 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 omelets and, and tacos, they usually do. See. <laughs> and we turn the stereo up and we have fun, and when the Scrooge wants to say, oh, so extravagant, and all you materialists, you know, fooey on you. Listen, when Jesus had a gal come into his presence when he was having dinner with this skeptic, and she brought in a, 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 a vial of pure nard, which was imported Fragrant aroma from India, it was very special and very expensive, and she came in and poured that over Jesus. What did Jesus say? When everybody wanted to say, oh, how extravagant, what is that, what a waste, we could use that money for something, you know what? Jesus said, knock it off. She's done a beautiful thing for me. We need to do what scripture has called the people of God to do for centuries, to celebrate, to be extravagant, to bring out the best stuff, the best food, to have the best music, the best time, Go the extra mile. God wants us to pause, he wants us to ponder, and he wants us to party. That's what God is calling his people to do. It's a great day, it's a holy day, it's a special day. It should be a day that's characterized by joy, and I hope it is for you. Would you pray with me? God, we just hope that these simple words of exhortation that simply summarize your Old Testament instructions for us would be a wonderful reminder that you're not a God who sits in heaven, who doesn't want his kids to uh, celebrate and rejoice. God, forgive us for being the kinds of people that look with a skeptical eye when people uh, cut loose and they do extra things or they go the extra mile. God, I pray we wouldn't be among the people, the skeptics who stood there and watched someone do something extravagant for Christ and criticize like so many did in the first century. Help us to celebrate Jesus Christ by doing nothing common pondering, constantly connecting why we're doing these things and going back with our minds to the celebration of the Incarnation. And then God, making it an incredibly festive day. And as we do, God, I pray you'd fill our hearts with joy. I know there's no obligation you have to do that, but I know, God, you're so faithful to usually infuse our hearts with joy and thanksgiving. And so, God, we want that to be our prayer. We want joy to enter into our homes and our lives and not just ours. We'd like it to extend all over the place in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Some great thoughts this holiday season as we celebrate the Savior's birth. You're listening to Focal Point in a special Christmas edition of Ask Pastor Mike. Find more answers to sticky questions plus devotionals, message transcripts, and other resources at focalpointradio.org. And while you're there, if you have your own questions for Pastor Mike, you can submit them on the Ask Pastor Mike page. You may just hear it answered on a future program or download the Focal Point mobile app to stay connected and up-to-date with all things Focal Point. Now, Pastor Mike, those who listen regularly to Focal Point may have noticed we've been talking a lot about this idea of magnifying ministry. Now, what do we mean by that phrase?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. It's like a megaphone. I mean, that's what it's like. You speak into that small end of the megaphone, and it comes out amplified, and that's kind of a good metaphor for us to think about how Focal Point works. Think of the just the, the millions of people that are blanketed with this teaching, and only a small portion of them are actually donating. And every individual listener who donates, I mean, that donation goes to pay for so many people that are listening to this broadcast. So the more people join that team, that that small band, that cadre of people that are giving, just the bigger the impact we have. We're able to not only broadcast in this particular area of the country, but in other places across the country. I mean, your gift really puts a megaphone to the teaching of God's word. I think of it often. I would never be able to have any of the impact of this teaching go beyond the walls of this church were it not for the focal point, donating family, and we're so grateful for you. So on behalf of everyone who benefits from this ministry, uh, who hasn't given or may never give, I just want to be so thankful to you. And Dave's going to explain how you can get in touch with this year-end
0: gift. I'd love to. The web address is focalpointradio.org or call us at 888 320 And when you give, we'd like to send you a copy of our featured resource this month, Evidence for God. It's a collection of 50 compelling arguments in defense of our faith, drawn from the Bible, history, philosophy, and science. In Evidence for God, leading Christian scholars and apologists provide compelling arguments drawn from scripture, history, and philosophy that address the latest and most pressing questions about God, science, Jesus, the Bible, and more. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for your generous year-end gift to magnify the reach of Focal Point in the new year. One more time, here's how to get in touch. Go to focalpointradio.org or call 888-320-5885 and be sure to ask for the book, Evidence for God When You Give. If you prefer to mail your gift, our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. Thank you for partnering with us, amplifying the teaching of God's Word across the radio and web. Well, I'm your host, Dave Drouy, so glad to have you with us. And be sure to come back again next time as we continue exploring the depths of Scripture right here on Focal Point. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.